Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report, of course, is a member of the Believe podcast family. Uh, Believe is the name of the podcast network. Uh, and of course, I explain this every week. Uh, I would not name my podcast Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Um, oh my God, I almost wanted to say best believe that. Um, enough of that. Uh, I want to get on to uh, this week's guest uh who is uh, a longtime favorite of mine wonderful uh comedian and actor um and you know i think it's kind of uh you know appropriate that we have him this week considering our next episode will be right after the election uh to for my money one of the uh best trump impersonators in the game right now please give a round of applause for James Austin Johnston, everybody. Hey, hi, I'm Jake Kroger. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of TCBY Comedy Bureau Report on <laughs> Believe Podcasts. Best believe that the country's best Comedy Bureau yogurt is here to give you the news rundown of all the new comedy things that are happening in comedy and on the Disney Plus networks and everything else. So thanks for tuning in. I'm Jake Kroger. Oh, man, that's great. I think I might cut that uh, up and use it. <laughs> that's okay with you, James. Oh, you should. Yeah. Hey, Jake, how you doing? Oh, you know, just... Um, Recovering from appendix that cat surgery. coaster hanging in there. Uh, if you guys tuned in last week, I was two days post-op of an appendectomy, and I was hiccuping throughout the whole episode, so that was fun. Um, well, that's cute. Yeah, right? Hiccuping is cute. Yeah. That's not bad at all. No, it was kind of painful, but I think it was worth it for the episode. It was worth it for like a bit, kind of. And now like Trump at a rally uh, claiming that Regeneron, which is a company and not the name of the drug cocktail he was on. Oh, wow. It's the name of the company who developed it. Right. But he says it like it's the name of the drug. Sure. You're like, you're like Trump on Regeneron and with, you know, 400 uh, cc's of steroids injected straight into your asshole. Sure. And you're just screaming, I defeated COVID. <laughs> I, I punched Osama bin Laden in the face. <laughs> yeah. I went down to his watery grave and punched him in the face. I went down to his watery grave and then his family endorsed my run for president. And then the <laughs> Taliban and the KKK did as well. And then the yep. Boston Herald. Yep. Man, what time mm. do we live in where that is actually, you know, it is a crazy sounding headline, but it, you know, could be real. It could be real. Do you think he's going to win? Do you think he's going to no. win again? No. No? I don't think so. Okay. I'm good. All right. You want to put some money down? No, I don't want to <laughs> put money on down. Put some money down. I'm Prove on it. unemployment, my friend. I do not want to waste that money. Gotcha. I feel you. I yeah. Feel you. Well, well, here I am and welcome to my show, Jake. It's great <laughs> to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about uh, tell me about this new woman in your life. This is uh, this is crazy. I hear you have a new beau, Courtney Cox. Uh huh. Tell me what is it like? What's it like to date somebody who was on a show like Friends? Huh? You know, uh, it's not as exciting as you think it would be, uh, especially if, because it's Friends. Friends specifically. Oh, yeah. That's oh, all yeah. that we get to talk about. 
because all exactly if if you were dating uh, Dwight Schrute or something, you'd be talking about The Office. Is that yep. Right? Yeah. Well, oh, people yeah. will not stop clamoring for a reunion, and it's like you know, uh, that's uh, that, one of that the really non-COVID headlines that makes it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> COVID. Well, it's fake, right? It's a pandemic. It's a pandemic. Yes, the Friends okay. reunion is a pandemic that was just used as a ploy to launch HBO Max. And it's worked. Well, you heard it here. You've heard it here first, folks, on Believe Podcasts on the country's best comedy bureau yogurt. I'm I'm Jay Kroger. And my guest, Jay Kroger, today says that Anthony Fauci gets a million dollars every time anyone gets COVID-19, which is a pandemic from the Chinese government. Thank you so much for listening. From Believe Podcasts and Jay Kroger, I'm Jay Kroger. Is, is this what's just floating around your head all day, James? No, I'm just, I just start talking, man. Right. I literally just start talking. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, uh, I like to, uh, like to talk, I guess. Um, if I, uh, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's COVID blindness or COVID sickness or right. irony poisoning. I, poisoning. I don't know what it is, but uh, I, I, you know, I've been doing comedy, Jake. I'm 31. And I've been doing stand up since I was 14. Right. And, uh, it's what I do. And uh, so to not be on stage um, is kind of, it's a little odd, but also right. I don't really believe that the skills atrophy that much. And I recommend to every single comedian, mm-hmm. not that anyone has any choice at the moment, but I recommend to every single comedian to quit for a year at a time, a few times in your career as I have. I have quit comedy for a year uh, this COVID will be my fourth time that uh-huh. I have like stopped doing comedy altogether yeah. for at Wait. least a year. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. You, because we don't have a choice. I would actually say, well, we don't have a choice this time. So it's, it's good. It's like a forced, it's like when, it's like when, uh, when a, um, a cop has a heart attack or something and right. they have to like, you know, move to Montana or something. I think it's good. I think it's good for your mental health. Now, if yeah. I remember correctly, I think you're kind of prepped for this because I remember you used to tell me that you would go warm up for sets or something by like doing a sermon in your car. You would improvise a sermon in your car. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm stuck in traffic and sometimes before a set, I will get into like Southern preacher mode. And then like, this is the thing. If you're actually not from the evangelical world like me, and I think to a lesser extent you, right. um, if you're not actually from that church world, Mm-hmm. When you think of a Southern preacher, you think of like an 80s televangelist or something. Right. right. Like, uh, so the gays are going to get burned in the fire and brimstone. That, right. that whole thing, which is yeah. like not what church, church hasn't been that for like 45 years. Of course. Um, uh, church is um, more like, uh, my, my youngest son, Josh, he said the cutest thing to me. He took me over. We were, he was playing around in the courtyard, church courtyard recently. And he said, daddy, why is the sky green? And the grass blue. And that got me thinking about Job Church. If we turn our Bibles to Job, <laughs> where we were looking last week, we were in chapter 13. I have set upon you the promise of God, he says. He goes on to say, I have known you, Lord. I have known you since you were born inside my womb. The, uh, right. The, the, it's, you still have the screeching uh, mm-hmm. vampire mm-hmm. Uh, speech, sure. but that is tempered by a, uh folksy mm-hmm. politicians um you know how politicians tell stories to try to relate to people For sure and yeah. uh yeah uh, christian leaders um 
are basically politicians and a, and a little bit cruise ship, mm-hmm. cruise ship entertainment directors. Yeah, I get that vibe. Church, yeah, church is a country club. Church is like a thing that mostly exists to help upper middle class people feel good uh, right. and fall asleep on time. So right. yeah. But I think, uh, so yeah, I, I I'll, I'll do that preaching thing for a long time before I go on on stage. Yeah. It's, so it's I think that you know, kind of uh, unknowingly prepped you for now because you're seated, you're seated, and you're speaking extemporaneously in character, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what the the only thing you get to do now. Yeah, the only thing I get to do is is Twitter and Instagram videos, and mm-hmm. you know, I when when. Uh, quarantine when lockdown started i was pretty psyched i was like oh i have mountains of video games to get through and you know a a kindle full of books and this is i've been dreaming of this moment and then i'm an extrovert and i quickly realized that i am sort of powerless without human contact oh yeah and yeah i have been doing trump on stage as you know, and, and Trump videos since like 2015. Right. But, um, uh, under lockdown, I really just got more into making internet content in general. So it was really good for me considering that, um, the way that the comedy business is moving, the entire entertainment business in general is moving, uh, is good for me as an ugly person who does not like to travel. Um, uh, uh, to to get into more Twitter and Instagram videos because otherwise the only way that you get a lot of followers is by having huge cans and going to waterfalls and that's not really something that I'm going to do. Yep. Um, I see that. So yeah. So I'm I'm happy. It, it forced me to make more content for my Instagram and Twitter. And stuff. Yeah, man. And it, it I think it's really paying off, and I think you're doing a really really great job. Oh yeah. Again. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, uh, you know Trump. For, the Trump Trump videos are really blowing up. I mean, I'm I I couldn't have anticipated it. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. But I mean, it's you just, really do nail for like it's since Atamanik stopped doing his Trump. I I like I think there for me anyway. There's been like a large vacuum. I mean, there are people that like can get like a halfway decent impression, um, but I don't think they yeah anybody's really nailed it like you have in a while oh thanks man well yeah. i mean uh, Ant- uh anthony Tamanik still does right does trump every once in a while um but uh he carried the he carried it the responsibility the great responsibility the mantle of ridiculing and impersonating trump like with great aplomb right and if he wants to stop that's great for him he remains my favorite Trump impression for oh, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. That's my favorite Trump impression. He he takes it and makes it this. Um, honestly, I don't know why SNL didn't hire him because he yeah. he does what we would have hoped would have been the the mainstream comedy Trump would have been right. the SNL Trump. Right. And um, it's just so f- silly and stupid and funny. He he turns him into this little boy. And that's what's like so fun to watch him do is like Trump as this as this angry little rich boy. And yeah, I love that um, so much. Yeah. But, and it's so nuanced with it, though. I mean, I think like it's a full character. It's a it, full, it's absolutely a full character. It's uh, yeah. I think of it as like a groundlings type character. That's why I say SNL. I used to think of SNL as this like this place that produced like perfect 
groundlings level character talents right. and you do see that with like chloe Feynman, which i think right. is she's a she's a groundlings person i believe right. she's a monster with yeah. like i'm i'm like that is the new snl person right. be on the lookout for chloe Feynman because yeah. she's just incredible yeah absolutely. oh god she's so funny absolutely. um i yeah i wish i wish tony got on a stage that big uh, with it, but you know, comedy people know. Comedy people know Tony Atamanuk is the is the monster that he's the best at it. Yeah. And I think what I do is a little different. And by no means, you know, is it all I do. Um, so I think you know, I think I'm carving out a little space for myself. Yeah, I hope. Uh, yeah, it leads people down uh, a path to find all your other uh, great, amazing stuff uh <laughs> a, a bit that's captured on an album that the comedy bureau put out a few years ago as well um you know i i mean i like i still can't forget the first time i saw you i used to host an open mic and you went up at the behest of jesse case and mm. you jesse case. yeah and you sang eagle songs in a scottish accent and it was so ridiculously funny well thank you uh yeah i love doing that i love doing that bit <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I remember when I first got to LA doing that, doing that open mic, other open mics and, um, really feeling this huge responsibility coming from Nashville. I, you know, from 14 to 18, I was a team Christian stand-up comedian, Jake. Right. And I have always been just liberal enough to know that, um, cards were stacked against me coming in as like a straight white male evangelical if I wanted to have any success in the mainstream or the, uh, the cool alt world right. uh, full of crunchy granola hippie liberals who are all for <laughs> nuclear uh, disarmament. Yeah. Thank you for saying the word. <laughs> um, I, you know, I always felt that I had to like justify my talent, justify my place in the comedy world. Cause I thought that people were going to hate me thinking I was a Republican or something, right. which I'm not. And uh, maybe I was for a second, but not when I was old enough to vote. Sure. Um, and, uh, and you know, when I came out here, I already kind of had an act already from years in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And um, I just did, um, I did my best to, to prove I was um, funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I got to the, Ooh, yeah. so I, uh, somebody gave me some advice that was like, when you get to LA, do your A shit, like mm -hmm. do your best, best, best stuff. So even at open mics, I was like, I'm not trying anything new at open mics. I need people to like, think I'm good. So <laughs> I would just do, I probably had like 25 minutes at that point. So right. I would just do my act. Yeah. Right. And it was fun, man. And I mean, like, you know, me and, other people, I mean, we took notice, and I definitely tried to spread the word as much as I could because I just <laughs> you're so original and funny and out of left field, man. And at, at, even at that point, like you know, the bureau's ten years old now, but I yeah. still watch so much comedy at that point. Like, I relish yeah. the the idea of discovery or being surprised. And that was hey, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, you you loved all my original stuff about how how women like to go shopping into nice restaurants and mm -hmm. how uh, men are uh, you know uh, gross gross grotesque monsters who don't pick oh, yeah. up after themselves. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. And then I then I go. Oh, 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 oh. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, I do some stuff about how you know, mm-hmm. it it sure seems that Caucasian culture seems right. sometimes at odds and sometimes you know comparable to mm-hmm. African American culture and the ways that they compare and contrast are definitely funny. Uh-huh. And um, let's see, what what other kind of subjects do I talk about in my stand up? Really original stuff, you know. Right. Um, yeah, like yeah. Uh, you know, why don't they build? Why don't they build the airplanes better? You mm-hmm. know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And you were impressed by all that stuff, that original stuff. Mm-hmm. I was. Have you yeah. watched that Comedy yeah. Store documentary at all, James? I do not pay attention too much to the comedy store and when i have gone to the comedy store people tell me stories about hey sam kinnison jerked off on this wall or isn't that uh, lovely where this is where john mayer put out a cigarette uh or you know ooh, um this is you know this is where uh kumail nanjiani was strangled by ed begley jr sure i don't super care right i don't care I think the comedy store is great. I also mm-hmm. think Zanies in Nashville is great. Sure. I think Go Bananas in Cincinnati is great. Yep. And I think Caroline's in New York is great. And right. I think all of the bars and libraries and coffee shops that I mostly mm-hmm. do my comedy in in right. LA, uh, the dive bars in Nashville and Atlanta, where I do the rest of my comedy. Right are just as fine because anywhere people congregate and watch comedy is great. And I have no particular allegiance to any one place. Right. And I have performed at the comedy store before. And yes, it was difficult. And yes, it was exhilarating when I did well. Right. Um, But who gives a shit? I really don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. I have been doing comedy for so long. Right. I could give a fuck where I do it. Right. I like, so that's that is my official statement on the comedy store if they want to fuck with me and give me spots that would be great but like whatever it's right. just a place to do comedy mm-hmm. and wherever you meet the people is fun i right. like the improv right i like the improv because i like their fries oh yeah that's Absolutely. literally the only reason i like the improv a very I like the great fries. reason to love a comedy club for sure um it's a no. good reason to like a comedy club i'm hungry yeah. give me some yeah, fries Absolutely. The only reason I bring it up, man, is because you were making fun of Tim Allen earlier, uh, <laughs> subtly, and like they interviewed him in one episode uh, and like reference to like the arrival of like podcasts and like. Oh, really? Yeah, and it basically he got put into a, a, a like the situation where he's like, "What? We're we're like not relevant anymore." <laughs> oh yeah, Tim Tim Allen was super relevant for so long. Yeah, I mean the way that, the way that he, uh, you know, I think winked at Pamela Anderson or something. Like, what the fuck is Tim Allen? Who gives a shit? When right. I okay, so there was like, there's a comedy club that uh that had this big painting of Tim Allen with a power tool, and I'm like performing there in 2014. Right. And I'm like, fuck, who, who the fuck is this dick with a mullet? Right. And a power tool. This does not register with anyone at all. You know, right. like that is a that is the testament to Tim Allen and home improvement, <laughs> home improvement's <laughs> legacy. I loved it as a right. kid. It was one of my favorite sitcoms to ever watch. Yeah. Have you watched it recently? The shelf life is not super great on no, home improvement. Not. It is not fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the kind of person that would 
take a massive pay cut if it meant the art I participate in stood the test of time. Yeah. I have had plenty of opportunities in this business to take a, a great financial opportunity. Right. And I've turned down plenty of stuff because it just did not fit the, um, the fucking, you know, what I want to do as an artist. Yeah. And I think that when you're a stand-up, you are an artist and an entertainer. Of course, your job is to entertain, but I mean, your job is also to like deliver a consistent product that is interesting and vibrant. And right. you can you can totally lose the art trying to entertain people, and you can totally lose the entertainment right. trying to navel gaze as an artist. Right. You've got to balance them, and right. I think the best comedy is a balance between art and entertainment. Right. And I've put my fucking future on the line a couple times to make sure that those things stayed in balance. Yeah. Kudos that's to my you, pretentious, man. that's my pretentious uh, soapbox for the uh, episode. More power to you, man. That's I, my, I, that's my asshole statement. Of the I, I love you for it, man. Like it's, it, it's a lot of people like uh, ascribing to such an ideal, but they, you know, when the cards are down, they, I, and, you know, maybe it's not entirely, like they're not entirely to blame, but like they, they can't, they want to take the money because they want to like have a little bit of financial freedom. But well, like, you know what I, Jake, I'm starting to realize now the irony of saying what I just said and the fact uh -huh. that I'm doing probably the, that I'm having success doing probably the hackest thing you can do in comedy right now, which is a <laughs> Trump impression. Like I, I'm fully aware that uh -huh. um, the thing that I'm currently enjoying Right. A modicum of uh, mm -hmm. uh, social media attention from mm -hmm. is it's pretty hack. I mean, I don't think what I do is hack, but right. I mean, definitely I'm wading into. Sure. I have I have crossed the demilitarized zone line right. into the hack territories. Right. I am I am a I am a lone scavenger in the in the war of hack right now. Yeah, but you're like you're like bouncing off the walls in the that, you know, DMZ area, you know, those blue houses or whatever it is. Those blue those cute blue houses and everybody has those Robin's egg right. little hats on. I love yeah. it over there. I want to live in a portable on the DMZ. Come on. Yeah, man. Give it to me. Give yeah. it to me. Yep. But yeah, you you uh you bring it I mean like even before the pandemic, uh, you know, the you were doing Trump doing Radiohead lyrics, and I don't know of anybody else doing that. I think I have cornered the market on Trump screaming about Tom York for sure, and Johnny and Colin Greenwood. Yeah, I think I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, something for the ragged bone man over my dead body, over <laughs> my dead body. Yeah, just taking. We're gonna be fitter. Fitter. We're gonna be happier, more productive. Um. There's lots of, I noticed that um, Trump's sort of disjointed claims and boasts and tweets um, matched the poetry of, that Tom York writes for Radiohead songs. And they're very similar, you know what I mean? They're very similar if you actually look at them on paper. Oh yeah. I, that that says, says a lot more about Tom York, unfortunately. <laughs> I love Tom. Tom, if you're listening. Tom, if you're listening. But um, uh, everybody's like, oh, what a genius lyricist Tom right. York is. And then you like look at the lyrics of a mm -hmm. Radiohead song, of a Tom York song, and it's right. like, 
keep your teeth clean, keep your teeth clean, keep your teeth clean. Global warming, global warming. Why can't I have it? You can't have it. Why can't I have it? You can't have it. It's like, it's not that good. Right. As far as poetry goes, lots of cliches. Oh, yeah. He used to write down every idiom that he ever hears, and then he just Mm -hmm. kind of repeats it 20 times. Um, Yeah. That said, beautiful vocalist. Beautiful vocalist. Beautiful vocalist, and, you know, some of the most uh, beautifully arranged uh, sort of uh, genreless music that uh, has uh, ever been. Oh, the music's insane. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, man. They make the best music. I'm just saying, you know, just look at a lyric sheet from uh, Kid A, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to be that impressed. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we'll get more into uh, that a little bit later. Let's get through some news, huh? Yeah, sure, Jake. Thanks, man. Um, so we'll try to get through these as quickly as possible, and I always say hey, that. But, yeah. Before you do it, can I read the lyrics of Kid A by Radiohead, the song? Yeah, by all means. It won't take. I slip away, I slipped on a little white lie. We've got heads on sticks, you've got ventriloquists. You, we've got heads on sticks, you've got ventriloquists. Standing in the shadows at the end of my bed. Standing in the shadows at the end of my bed. Standing in the shadows at the end of my bed. Standing in the shadows at the end of my bed. The rats and children follow me out of town. The rats and children follow me out of town. Come on, kids. That's the lyrics to my favorite Radiohead song. Wow. They just takes three little cool sentences and says them 20 fucking times. Yep. Okay. I'm Jay Kroger, and thanks for listening to the TCBY Field Report. Let's move to some news. It's the News Hour with Jay Kroger. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Jake. Uh, it's very, uh, very nice to finally uh, get to some news. Um, what fun we had. You got it, Jake. What do you have for us? <laughs> All right. First off, um, Kenya Barris is going to attempt to make a Richard Pryor, uh, Pryor biopic uh, over at MGM. He's the latest in a long, very long line of folks trying to make a Pryor biopic, but it has always been riddled with people dropping out, creative differences, uh, financing. I mean, people, don't people usually drop out because they set themselves on fire trying to freebase crack cocaine? Isn't that why most of them end up? You, I wish uh, I wish that were the case, but no. <laughs> really? Or is, yeah. it, or is it that like someone will get like an hour into writing the script and then just immediately start having sex with Marlon Brando? Is that it? Well, I will say the last... The, the last person to attempt it was Lee Daniels and it was at the Weinstein company. So there's a good reason why that didn't happen. The Butler's Lee Daniels. The Butler's Lee Daniels. Yeah. The full name of that movie was the Butler's Lee Daniels, the Butler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that movie. Yeah. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was famous for uh, wanting to make a movie called the Butler, but there was another movie called the Butler. So they had to call it the Butler's Lee Daniels, the Butler. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like the uh, that make that for whatever reason that makes me think of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Oh yeah, the Los Angeles An- Animals Angels of Anaheim mm-hmm. of Los Angeles County is yeah. Anaheim in Los Angeles County? No, it's in Orange County. It's in Orange County, so Orange County like 
curls up like that? Yeah, it does. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, like if you, it's the same with any major city in anywhere where like if you live close enough to the actual metropolis and you're talking to somebody from somewhere else in the world, you're like, oh yeah, I'm from LA because you don't want to say Anaheim. Yeah, right. And they have to explain that unless you carry a lot of Anaheim pride. Um, are you interested in seeing a Richard Pryor bio, Pryor biopic? A Richard Pryor biopic. Uh, I don't know who you would cast in that role. Me either. Um, and in general, biopics are like, it's this thing that I, it's, it always sounds cool. Right. Like when you are like high with your friends talking about it like oh you know what would be sick Mm -hmm. like you know what i the other day i was like oh i don't think john cusack was a great choice for that brian wilson biopic with paul dano i thought paul dano was a great choice but i don't think john cusack looks like paul dano or was a great choice right and i was watching the trailer for the jim comey movie with brendan gleason as trump now here's the thing jake Mm-hmm. months ago years ago i said brendan gleason as trump movie please really and i did and i would it's like a thing i would used to say at work of like you know who would demolish in a trump movie right. brendan gleason right. and and people would be like yeah i don't know i see this guy and then lo and behold mm-hmm. brendan gleason is trump and jeff daniels is Jim Comey. But when you look at a picture of Jim Comey, he's like, I don't know. He's like kind of like a handsome, like kind of guy who's got this like dark vibe. And I don't think Jeff Daniels. So this is literally what my wish is, is they, is that we could like do this time warp and switch them. Right. I know what you're thinking. Why am I using this time machine, hypothetical time machine? Not to kill baby Trump and baby Hitler. I know. Right, I know. Right, right. Of course, I still kill baby Trump and baby Hitler. Yeah, and you stop. Um, I, I, I stop JFK's bullet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I fix everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also put Jeff Daniels mm-hmm. as 1989 Brian Wilson in the Paul Dano Beach Boys movie. Right. And I put John Cusack as James Comey. Ooh. In the Brendan Gleeson Trump movie, right? I'm telling you, they look more like each other mm-hmm. in those specific roles, and not only that, but the artistry that they would bring. I think John Cusack as James Comey, mm-hmm. he would do a great job, and I think that Jeff Daniels has the has the downcast, mm-hmm. sour face right. of whacked out on antipsychotics Brian Wilson in the, in in 1989. I. I think it would be a better choice. Yeah. So that's that's sort of Jake. That digression is what I have to say about biopics. Mm-hmm. You can't when you're watching a biopic, you can't stop thinking about, well, what actor looks more. It's like you get into this thing when you're watching them where you're like, oh, I want somebody who looks and replicates this artist I already love. I want right. them to do, match the same magic. Right. Like, what's the best biopic? What's your pick for the best biopic? Tell me. Oh God! All right. Uh, um, Without thinking about it too hard, just like think sure. of you know a really good one if you can. You go first. I got mine. I got mine. Ray, Jamie Fox, Ray, mm-hmm. Jamie Fox, 
demolishes as uh, Ray Charles does a brilliant singing impression of him. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to put a close second uh, Val Kilmer, The Doors, Oliver Stone. Right. But Levian Rose you know, was pretty good. Levian Rose, you like Levian Rose? Oh, you know what? I fucking love fucking Vice. I oh, love yeah. Vice. Mm-hmm. But that's not really a biopic. That's more of like a um, New Republic uh, style essay. Sure. <laughs> more than anything. It's, it definitely has an editorial sense to it. It's oh yeah. It's not a true um, true tale necessarily. Right. Um, yeah, you get stuck in this thing where you're like, oh, someone could be better at this role, and and. And with prior, it, it, it takes away from the actual content in the takes away. Like, why can't you just write an original script that is inspired by Richard Pryor? Like, like, why can't you? Like, is this story only compelling when it's about Richard Pryor, or does it have legs on its own? Could you, right. could you take Richard Pryor as an inspira- artistic inspiration and actually tell me? you know, tell me an interesting story or do, do I have to believe that this person is right? really is Richard Pryor? I, I don't know. I, to, to me, it's this thing of like, uh, can, do we really, mm. we really don't have any, um, and it's not creatives problem. This is not Kenya Barris's problem. Right. This is the business. This is the executive's problem. Right. Are we really not willing to take a chance on original screenplays right. anymore? Like, do they have to be, the fucking wackiest thing in the world or can we just like allow original stories that are just about interesting right. characters and tell them you know yeah this is a comedian in the 70s and he he says a bunch of crazy shit mm-hmm. uh, let's tell that story right um i'll see it i'll end up seeing it i i look right. i i like watching these biopics and sure as someone who's appeared in a couple period pieces because i have old-timey face mm-hmm. um Please give me a role where I play an FBI agent picking through mm-hmm. someone's possessions in a in a New York apartment. Yeah. Please, I would love to do that. I think you'd be very very good at that. Um, I think I have F- I think I have FBI in a period movie face for sure. We, you would rather see an original movie inspired by the life of Richard Pryor than like maybe a documentary. I mean, I'm not going to watch a documentary. I don't like watching documentaries. Right. Okay. Not, I mean, my wife loves watching documentaries. Right. I don't. I don't like learning shit. That's 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 fake. I do love learning stuff. You absolutely I, love learning shit. I love learning shit. But but uh, I don't know. Documentaries are boring. A lot of movies are boring. Mm-hmm. It it's just gonna be. It's just gotta be a magnetic performance. And you know what? No matter the subject matter, if the performance is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I want from a movie. So, I mean, who cares if it's about, I'll watch a movie about Osama bin Laden if it's well acted and interesting. So, yeah. Big Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. I'm a big, you know what? It's not actually about Osama bin Laden. It's about Jessica Chastain. That is. Who's an amalgam of different FBI people. Yep. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I we'll see if Kenya even gets to make it because so many people try and then nothing happens. Right. Right. Uh, right. uh, Next story. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York and Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York city are being sued. Andrew Cuomo. He's the guy from Weezer, right? (laughs) 
Yeah, Andrew Cuomo uh, got an English degree and then uh, did a cover of uh, Toto's Africa and then decided to become governor of New York. That's the story. That's yep. the one I know. Yeah. And him and Bill de Blasio. Are getting sued by a, uh, a group of six small venue theaters and two comedy clubs specifically, New York Comedy Club and Broadway Comedy Club, uh, for unfair reopening protocol. Uh, Unlike here in LA, where everything inside is pretty much closed, uh, and there's yeah. no ways about it, uh, New York, there seems to be some cherry picking involved. Where currently you can bowl, uh, you can do trivia in a bar. I think there's some protocol for gyms and uh, some religious affairs a bit, uh, but like small venues, uh, not big Broadway stuff. Um, you know, they, they don't feel like they uh, have any guidance uh, or protocol to as to survive or reopen. And uh, they feel like there's stuff that allows gathering indoors uh, more than they would probably do if they were allowed to do something. And I think that's what mm -hmm. they're contesting. Um, do you have any feelings about this anyway? <laughs> at all i mean i don't um you know the i'm i think i'm in a similar boat to a lot of people voting in this current election mm -hmm. uh and i've already voted uh and that is um that uh um they should have just done a blanket federal um they should have just taken charge early on mm -hmm. listen to the scientists um yep. been quick and decisive shut everything down completely for like two months Right. Uh, gotten a lead on the virus, figured out contract, contract, contact tracing and testing. Right. And uh, there should be a strong federal response, not leaving it up to a million different municipalities and state governments and these things that are already at war with each other constantly. Oh, yeah. uh, because it has only exacerbated the interpersonal antipathy different political factions have for each other. Mm -hmm. Um I mean, every every commercial always tells us we're all in this together. And I'm like, no, we're fucking not. We're not. Not, everyone has a completely different fucking idea about how to do this. And the way that you kneecap that is by a strong take charge federal response, yep. which they didn't do. Yep. And so now you have... Now you have this shit where bowling alleys are fighting with bars, which is fucking stupid. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I think it's stupid. And... Also, if you are a small venue club, your margins are razor thin, what the hell are you doing suing a government? Like, you're going to lose. You're going to lose against the state. Of course you are. Why are you spending, I don't know, however much it could be, but it gets very close to a million dollars when you don't really have that kind of money to spend. Right. Um, what the hell are you doing suing? Like, just go outside. Like, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's, there has to be a way for you to maintain your um, income. And you know what would help you maintain your income probably better than anything else? The federal government actually giving you the same amount of money that you were making like they did in fucking Germany. Right. It's working out great in Germany. And I know Germany's the size of two Ohio's or whatever, but right. I'm just saying it's not that hard in the wealthiest nation in the world to just keep giving people the same amount of money, keep the economy afloat, and actually listen to scientists about this virus and murder it instead of letting it perpetuate itself because no one is taking 
anything seriously because you've given right. free reign to each little baby government to do a million half measures that constantly fail. And we have this reopening and unopening and opening yeah. and reopening. To the point where the, Jesus. Federal, the federal response recently, I'm sure you know this, is, well, we're not going to control the pandemic anymore. Yeah, to the point that you, in the week before an election, you give up on the only uh, only election concern that anyone who's voting actually cares about. Right. Um, they have, they had the most incredible economy of all time. Sure. I'll, I'll give into the hyperbole. And then they wiped out every single gain with their ineptitude. Right. So you know what, man, it shouldn't be up to any individual city or state. It shouldn't, it should definitely not be up to individual, uh, uh, employers mm-hmm. and venue operators, whether they live or die. And to see people feel like they have to sue the, the state mm-hmm. during a pandemic because they can't open. Um, you know what? Before, the, before COVID, mm-hmm. small venues were not treated very well right. by the economy because they weren't fucking Chipotles. They weren't like incredibly high profit uh, gentrification machines. And... Um, it's very sad. I wish our government cared about the arts, but it doesn't. Nope. And we're fucked. I don't know what else to say, Jake. I know. Other than I, this yeah. situation should never have happened. and It should never. No, absolutely. I'm in agreement with all that. It's, there, were, there were 15 people that had a choice to make and to make keep it. shit like this ever happening. And they didn't make it. They, they shut down travel from China after we had already been getting the disease from like our own selves like the disease was in the disease made its way through la comedy in like late december and january it was around way earlier than any of our piss poor contract tracing is there wasn't testing available at the time but i'm pretty sure i got it after new year's and everybody says that oh trump shut down the um the the pandemic response team well he did dissolve it john bolton rather Mm-hmm. dissolved it but um all of those people re- were reassigned to different positions right um so he didn't fire everybody he just took the office that was dedicated to global health concerns and gave them all different jobs right and uh he dissolved it mm-hmm. of course <laughs> he he still pays them but that doesn't mean that he didn't destroy the network of people that were supposed to be responding to this kind of thing yep so you know what um, at least we are the people that pick up the mess after them. So that's great. At least that's on us. Yeah. At least we have that, uh, yeah. task to, to do. Yeah. At least we can pay, at least we can parse through all of these, um, uh, major government concerns as petty grievances between each other, instead of actually holding to account, uh, the people that really matter. It's not fucking governor Cuomo's fault. Mm-hmm. It's Trump's fault. Yeah. 100%. And Mike Pence is as a as a second uh as yeah. the um coronavirus czar. And uh I I I always want to like throw McConnell in there too because he actually is responsible for a lot of legislation either being held up or happening that exacerbates everything that's happening. Oh yeah, well I'm McConnell will burn in hell. There's no question about that. Um, anyways, uh, one last news story. Um, this just broke today. John Stewart is returning to host his own topical news show. 
um, on Apple TV Plus. Uh, yeah, he will EP it. He will host it. Um, and it will, as it would seem from the press release, not be so much geared towards making fun of cable news and what cable news reports, but actually doing more sort of deep dives into issues that John cares about and has done advocacy for. Um, I'm sure there will hey, be so an episode about first. It'll be uh, like last week tonight, but uh, an American guy, and he'll he'll talk less about um, uh, women named Carol in right. accounting. Right. Yeah. And th there will be a beard. And he'll have a beard. You know what? I like John Stewart a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I think that uh, uh, John Stewart and Stephen Colbert set a very high bar for mm -hmm. political comedy during the Bush years. That um, is and to a lesser extent about the obstruction during the Obama second term right. uh, from the McConnell Senate. Um, but uh, uh, it set such a high bar that you couldn't even possibly come close to replicating it in the Trump era. A lot of people give people like uh, Colbert shit for his Trump impression. And I'm like, this guy already gave us his life. He spoke truth to power at the White House Correspondents' Dinner in a way that no one has ever been able to top, ever. And um, he did it so brilliantly. And uh, even Jon Stewart um, was able to meet the moment of the Bush years um, incredibly. Um, and it kind of, it almost flipped the breaker. It like broke political comedy. Right. Um, there's like very little truly great political comedy so i'll be really interested to see what john stewart in 2020 has to say um i would hope that he would just take a break and enjoy life if i was him i would just write young adult novels in a, right. in a house by a lake but uh uh good for him yeah. it's nice to have a gig it's nice to have a gig well i think he did take a lot of time off i mean obviously he did some stuff he directed that movie rosewater and uh you know there was uh, I, showed up to some congressional or senate hearings as well uh and you know, made the occasional cameo on the late show but um i think he spent a lot of time with his wife and uh the various uh farm animals they have uh, at their house i mean that's the good shit right so good for him right but i'll be glad to see him back as well uh i'll be curious to i mean as you uh, explain, I mean, political comedy, for better or for worse, has changed so vastly. Late night has changed so vastly. And uh, how he's going to tangle with that and, you know, being at a streaming service versus a cable network. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah. Be a high profile return, uh, regardless. Yeah. Um, have you seen anything recently comedy wise uh, or heard it or consumed it in any way that you would care to recommend? I mean, we, uh, uh, we watched Borat too, which everyone watched. Um, and I don't really watch a whole lot of comedy. I'm going to be honest. I, I watch Iron Chef. Right. Um, I've been watching Japanese Iron Chefs on YouTube, uh, right. original Iron Chefs. I used to watch and them. having a great time with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I get most most of my comedy like uh, joy comes from um, 
real life as as like pretentious as that might sound i uh i as a comedian i kind of get burnt out on watching comedy uh i'm not as much of a comedy consumer lately right um that said i loved bill burr on snl the other day um snl has been i think people give it's it's another thing where they've set the bar so high i think people give snl too much shit Mm um when it you know it's it's just, it's only ever doing its best. Sure. And SNL is really at its best when you are 16. Sure. And uh, when you're not 16 anymore, SNL is not going to look that cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just what's up with what SNL is. But I had a great time watching Bill Burr on SNL. Yeah. Yeah. His monologue great. was fire and surprisingly really adept as a comedy actor, following along with the cue cards and everything. I loved it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's uh, he's put in the time acting with acting chops. I mean, like, Breaking I Bad. loved King of Staten Island, by the way, too. Mm-hmm. Did you watch yeah. that? I have not watched that yet, but that is on like a long. It's only six dollars now. People didn't like when it was thirty dollars, and now it's six. So you cool. can watch it. All right, I'll give it a watch. But I, I've definitely enjoyed Bill in his various acting roles, whether drama or comedy. I mean, you know, surprisingly, he showed up in The Mandalorian and. That worked. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars and Bill Burr. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, you know, everyone's sort of in green about Borat's subsequent movie film. Um mm-hmm. I mean, what's interesting is I found Who's America to kind of be depressing. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was sure. just like, yeah, I know everyone is this bad. Did you need yeah. to remind me? But there's something, yeah. I, I think it, there's like, a, there was this difference in like, so there are all these different characters that we weren't acquainted with that some weren't like completely the idiot um, versus like Borat gives a very specific lens that we're much more comfortable with in terms right. of him like showing how, like how bad American culture is very specifically, you know what I kept thinking about watching the, the, the whole uh, Borat subsequent movie film? We really need to stop saying the customer is always right. Yeah. Because uh, so many people that he dupes are going from that where they're like, well, okay, he's asking about a, a cage for his daughter. I guess I'll just go along with it. If that can right. Be, you know. Well, what I really liked about this movie is that it was less of a Borat-style segment from the Ali G show and more like an Ali G segment from the Ali G show. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like, he in, in the Borat segments, um, Borat uses his um, unassuming and innocent foreign character mm-hmm. to expose the uh, xenophobia and racism mm-hmm. of um, regular Americans. Right. And this movie was because Borat, the character, is very famous in America now. Right. He can't dupe regular Americans anymore. So they did what the Ali G show does. And what the Ali G show does is um, dupe the people in power. Like Ali G, as a character, would interview um, Henry Kissinger and Newt Gingrich and Donald Trump and Buzz Aldrin and, you know, like major dignitaries. And he would use the stupidity of Ali G to piss off the people in power. And what um, 
you know, if if Borat is this character who exposes the xenophobia and anti sort of Middle Eastern, anti anti immigrant thing, racist thing, mm-hmm. Bruno is a character who exposes the homophobic right. attitudes of regular Americans. Ali G expose what does Ali G expose when he interviews these people in power? <clears throat> he exposes classism. Mm-hmm. He exposes the inherent uh, disdain that elites have for the less educated and the less fortunate right. and um, the less rich. Right. And so Borat, because he was famous, he couldn't dupe regular people anymore. I found it interesting that he set his sights on the elite. This movie was all about capturing these interview segments with famous conservatives right. and uh, showing how eager they were to, you know, uh, find a moment of fame, how eager they were to um, uh, have a moment of sexual pleasure. That's, I think, was the most striking thing about Borat subsequent movie film mm-hmm. was, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Maria Bakalova. I'm trying to remember the performer's name. She is incredible. She is um, incredible. And uh, if Borat 2 is about anything, it's, I think, is about misogyny. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit about racism, of course. They, they use Eastern European accents right. to show that conservatives hate all these other minorities yet are so willing to compromise American intelligence, American freedom for a moment with a hot Russian woman when I'm like, those are our adversaries. Those are our, those are the people that are going to use, that are going to compromise right. these guys. So I thought that was brilliant. But um, also to show how little conservatives actually value mm-hmm. women. Um, that's, I think, was the most stark thing, was like how easily Rudy Giuliani was conned into taking his pants off in another room was just incredible. He's so, so horny. And these guys like no less. That was the amazing thing during a pandemic character. Even when like, she doesn't know whether Rudy has COVID or not. Yeah. And she, well, like, yeah, he's coughing all over himself and shit. Oh, he's a ghoul. But, um, you know, Borat throughout the entire movie is, is, you know, first he finds his daughter is chained, chained up in a barn you know, as a feral girl mm-hmm. and she becomes this independent woman. And that's sort of the story of the movie is Borat learning a new way of thinking about women. Right. And, um, you know, by being, by reckoning with his role as a father, he, uh, he, he starts to see, you know, that women are people. And that's something that I think specifically on the right, uh, in American politics is is something that is, uh, um, you know, how how many hot blonde women have sucked Rudy Giuliani's dick just right. because? Like, like you see the way that women are treated as currency mm-hmm. in America by the way that the Kazakhstan characters, mm-hmm. you know, treat women. It, it I thought it was brilliant how that movie talked about misogyny. That said a movie that is centered on the independence of women and misogyny could have had more women involved on the production side, Mm -hmm. the creative side. Um, 
good on them for expanding that when that's a criticism that they've had about those movies before. Yeah. Um, shout out um, to Friedman for writing. Shout out to Jenna Friedman. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, they could do better with that. Um, but I was kind I, of they pulled it off at all, considering like a good portion of it had to be made during the pandemic. I loved the movie, man. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. It was, it's, uh, I mean, like, I, everything of our time right now is an artifact of our time, but to, just to see that and be, have it come together the way that it did. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Insane. Yeah. Um, um, real quick, real quick. I am going to have to leave sure. in like five minutes to go to my podcast. Just FYI. Okay. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah. We'll, uh, just wrap up with like, um, I just want to get back to, you know, what you've been doing and actually is a perfect segue, uh, with, cool. what you're doing with your podcast, what things yeah. or what things, right? Say it one more time. What things are what things? Yes. I what myself. things are what things is a, um, it's like a game show podcast where we find out what things are what things. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will take uh, two different like kind of categories of things right. and uh, talk about them with different guests from comedy and music and all over the place. Um, recent ones have been, you know, what jackass cast members mm-hmm. are what United States Right. Um, we've done, uh, what horny old rockers are, what, uh, sandwich ingredients. Cool. So it's the sort of conversation that you have with, um, coworkers while you're just sort of like wasting time at work. Right. And, uh, we've turned it into a huge podcast and, um, you know what, because I'm involved, um, um, through my connections, Donald Trump calls in a lot of the time, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Calls in. Uh, Bobby Flay is a big presence on the show. Joe Biden loves to call in. So his Grimes, have, called know, in, James. His Grimes. I haven't done Grimes, and I haven't done Tegan and Sarah uh, mm-hmm. or Sufjan Stevens. I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to do all my indie rock impressions on the show. Um, but that is forthcoming, Jake. That is forthcoming. Yeah, Bob Dylan. Throw Bob Dylan in there too. Oh, Bob Dylan calls in a lot, probably right. as much as uh, as as much as Donald Trump does. Um, oh, cool. Present day Bob Dylan, not okay, not the stupid Bob Dylan everyone else does. Present day Bob Dylan, <laughs> yes, the the one who couldn't be bothered to fucking claim his Nobel Prize, the guy who would not go get his Nobel Prize, the guy who uh, makes the most recent Bob Dylan album, Rough and Rowdy Ways, is actually awesome. Did you know that? I haven't, he is, I haven't gotten to listen to it, yeah. He is indistinguishable from Tom Waits, and <laughs> that is that is great in my book. As a fan of both, I'm I'm fine if they end up sounding like each other. How's the uh, podcast been going uh, in uh, quarantine? Has it changed at all? Like, you think it's gotten better or like it hasn't gotten weird? I mean, for the most part, during COVID, uh, during the height of it, uh, we recorded from home, and that was really hard. And then uh, my co-host, Zach Pugh, um, we work together at the same day job and uh, in a warehouse. And so eventually we were just in each other's COVID pod. Right. And uh, we were just like, oh, let's just get together in the garage that we always record in and just record. So we've recaptured a little bit of our mojo by the co the co-hosts meeting together and recording together but we still have our guests call in and um we're just biding our time until there's a vaccine and and things uh aren't so shitty 
uh, which is coming soon, I'm sure. I hope so. I certainly, certainly hope so. From no matter who's in charge, someone will need to make a quick buck by healing all of us. So I, I have faith in that. Oh yeah, man. It's a large horse race between all these uh, big pharma companies and AstraZeneca and Pfizer. And yeah. And, yeah. Fucking Coca-Cola. Or people place money, big money on down on all of them, you know, just, and yeah. they don't know whether they're going to win. They're just like hoping that that, that's the horse. Hope it works. Yeah, hope it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, it's been so great to have you on the pod. Always love seeing you. So great to reconnect with you, Jake. And thanks for listening to Jake Kroger's the ComedyBureau.com podcast, brought to you by Bleem Podcasts and Survey Monkey. Survey Monkey. <laughs> Next time you need a survey to Survey Monkey, the only one that throws its poop at the people that it questions. Thanks for listening. For everybody here at Jake Kroger, I'm Believe Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Are we just getting rid of the yogurt? All right. Yeah, I stopped doing the yogurt thing. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Where can people find you online, James? At Shrimp, J-A-J, at Shrimp Jaj on Twitter and Instagram. I hope that you follow me, and I hope that you like uh, Trump-related content because uh, either I will be doing that um, for uh four more years or i will be doing that also for four more years i'm probably going to be doing that voice a lot just because it's fun right absolutely yeah go watch uh james's latest uh work which was a, a extension of uh trump's disastrous 60 minutes interview it's very fun um also listen to and subscribe to what things are what things uh at a podcast uh platform near you uh i am jay kroger founder of the comedy bureau you can find the comedy bureau at the comedy bureau.com at the comedy bureau across platforms uh you can find me on instagram at not the supermarket and on twitter at mfj kroger there are a lot of great uh causes to support right now and i urge you to support those but if you have money or generosity uh after that i could use the help uh and support because the comedy bureau is uh, you know supported by the community and that's how it has always been um, is there anything else you would like to say before we sign off? I'm Jake Kroger, and this is Watch What Jake Kroger Does Live. Thanks for listening to the comedy's best yogurt. I'm Jake Kroger. <laughs> uh, as I like to say at the end of every episode, comedy is still happening, and as the great Brody Stevens uh, would say, enjoy it! Tommy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.